Na-miss niyo na bang makinig ng podcast on your commute? Or to get that motivation before you start your day? Magbabalik ang 5 minutes lang with Season 2. Mas exciting, mas nakakakilig, at mas inspiring. Kakasama natin si Nabianca Gonzalez. It will be uncomfortable sometimes when you step out of your comfort zone. Pero you have to like keep pushing the needle. Joelle. My first date was the most perfect rom-com scenario ever, honestly. <laughs> Plus, ang creator ng Home Buddies and Hangout Buddies Communities na si Francis Cabatuando. Sobrang iba pag solo travel. Just like you're in a different place, nobody knows you, and you're just out there to connect with other individuals. At marami pang iba. Let's talk about dating, growing your career, and everything in between. Five minutes lang, where we learn how to navigate life from people who've cracked the code. Available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan ka man puma podcast. We stand here today to declare that henceforth, no family shall be forced to drive their children away for fear of their being maimed or wounded by conflict, and that no child ever again has to cross a raging river and knock on a stranger's door to beg for protection. This week, the Comprehensive Agreement on the Bangsamoro turned eight years old. The CAB is the final peace agreement between the government of the Philippines and the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, or the MILF. It's a separatist group that took up arms for its cause in the 1970s. The CAB paved the way for the enactment of the Bangsamoro Organic Law, or BOL. This, in turn, created the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region in Muslim Mindanao, or BARM. Now, the signing of the CAB was a huge deal in 2014. You had over a thousand guests in Malacanang, hosted by the late President Benigno Aquino III, with MILF Chairperson Alhaj Murad Ibrahim and even Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak. Malaysia was the facilitator of the peace process between the government and the MILF at the time. And of course, you also had then-peace advisor to the president, Teresita Quintos Deles, whose voice you heard earlier. In this episode of Teca Teca Explains, we'll revisit this important milestone and find out what has happened since then. I'm Trisha Aquino, Puma Podcast. The government and the MILF had been holding peace talks for 17 long years before the signing of the final peace agreement between the two, or the CAB. Maraming pinagdaanan ang parehong panig bago nagpirmahan ang dalawa. The MILF's grievances began as early as the colonial period, with wars between the Spanish invaders and the Moro natives in Mindanao. Then, in the time of the Americans, the colonizers put in place various policies that had the effect of, in the words of historians, legalized land grabbing from the Moro communities. Dito na nag-start yung natawag natin na influx of legalized land grabbing because the American government, they encouraged the people of Luzon and Visayas, they sponsored them to come here in Mindanao and they were given lands. And whose lands were given to them? Basically, the lands of the people of Mindanao, the Bangsamoro and the indigenous uh, uh, people. 
That was Professor Termizi Abdullah, an expert on Bangsamoro history from the Mindanao State University in Marawi. When we gained independence in the 1940s, the Moro communities saw much of the same, with the national government implementing land rules that didn't take into account one important belief that the Moros held. The Moros were not interested to register their land, you know, because at the time, they could not reconcile the idea that in order for you to get your land, you need to, to have this piece of paper, no? Kasi wala namang, hindi naman land titling yung sa kanila. Para sa kanila, communal, no? Ancestral, collective, communal property yung lupa. At sa kanila, you don't own land. It's the other way around. Ang lupa ang nagmamayari sa atin. Kasi pag mamatay tayo, eventually, we will go back to the lands. In the 1950s, the government even resettled Hukbalahap surrenderies in the region. These communist fighters were given land, and Bangsamoro families suddenly found themselves homeless. The dictatorship of Ferdinand Marcos was also particularly harsh to the Bangsamoro people. While we know that thousands were killed, jailed, tortured, or simply disappeared, the Bangsamoro experience was unique. The communities of the Moros were under assault at the time, even before the declaration of martial law in 1972. May mga iga na the time, yung mga Christian militia groups, no, na allegedly they were being supported by the Philippine Constabulary at the time. Then mas lalo silang naghirap after the declaration of martial law, no, the Marawi Prize. In October 1972, the burning of Olo in 1974, Palimbang Massacre 1974, no? and we can cite many more. Speaking of many more, there's the Tran incident in 1973 in Sultan Kudarat, where government soldiers interrogated and tortured Moro men in a military camp. Then they brought the women to naval vessels and raped them. In the end, the soldiers killed them all, including their children. And there's also the Tong Umapoy Massacre in 1983. A Philippine Navy ship supposedly opened fire on a passenger boat, killing almost 60 people on board. But the passengers were just people who were on their way to a sports event. Marami pa yan. Fast forward to the 2000s, and we had the all-out war that then-President Joseph Estrada declared against the MILF. According to research by the Asia Foundation, More than 1,000 were killed and over 750,000 civilians were displaced during this period. But aside from this history of violence against the Bangsamoro people, we also have a history of government neglect. Think about it. In 1997, during the time of President Fidel V. Ramos, 57% of families in the region were poor. This region had the highest poverty incidence in the entire country. Compare that, 57%, to the poverty incidence in the capital, which was 6%. Fast forward to 2018, and guess what the poverty incidence there is? 54% of families in the region were still poor. That's according to the Philippine Statistics Authority. Meanwhile, poverty incidence in Metro Manila has dropped to just 1%. Kaya alam natin na may pinaghuhugutan talaga ang mga kapatid nating Bangsamoro in general at ang MILF in particular. There are deep wounds from the past that we haven't really acknowledged as a nation. And what does the CAB have to do with that? 
Let's go back in time to the cab signing in 2014 in Malacanang. Listen to MILF chairperson Alhaj Murad Ibrahim talk about what it means to have this final peace agreement with the government. The comprehensive agreement of the Vang Samoro finally brings with it the restoration of the identity, powers, and resources of the Vang Samoro. These three things, which have been ours since time immemorial, unjustly taken through colonization and occupation, are now returned to us. We in the MILF and our counterparts in the JPH, GPH stands for Government of the Philippines, have pushed the ends of reason in coming to this point of forging a negotiated political agreement that not only promises but guarantees mutual recognition, respect, and restoration of the legitimate rights of the people in the Bangsamoro. With the signing of the comprehensive agreement on the Bangsamoro, the legitimate aspiration of the Bangsamoro and the commitment of the government of the Philippines to recognize and address those aspirations are now sealed and witnessed by all peace-loving peoples of this nation and the whole world. With the cab signed in 2014, it was time for the lawmakers to do their thing. With the help of the Bangsamoro Transition Commission, they were to craft the Bangsamoro Basic Law, or the BBL. This would then create the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region in Muslim Mindanao, or BARM. Let's listen to Mohagir Iqbal, the chairman of the Bangsamoro Transition Commission and the chief peace negotiator of the MILF. He was speaking to senators in 2014 and briefing them about the BBL. Why does the establishment of the Bangsamoro matter? Why should we build the Bangsamoro? The Bangsamoro is our best insurance against independence. If the Bangsamoro works to bring peace, development, and security to the people, then independence becomes less attractive. People will only leave a relationship when they are treated badly. But if they are treated well, there will be no reason to aspire to be independent. But we all know that the momentum towards the creation of the law was halted by the Mamasapano tragedy. Some called it a massacre, others a misencounter. It was January 2015 when 44 Police Special Action Force commandos, 18 MILF members, and 7 civilians were killed in a firefight. The police had been in the middle of a counter-terrorism operation in Mamasapano, Maguindanao, to capture the Malaysian terrorist and bomb-maker Zulkifli Binhir, alias Marwan. The fragile peace process shattered. That was Professor Miriam Coronel Ferrer, the chief peace negotiator of the government. President Rodrigo Duterte, of course, is the first Philippine president from Mindanao. He was supportive of the passage of the Bangsamoro Basic Law from the start. Fast forward to August 2018. Ten days ago, I signed into law the organic law for Bangsamoro region for Muslim Mindanao, which I hope will finally end the decades of conflict that is rooted in the Bangsamoro's fight for self-determination and recognition of their unique identity. May this serve as the final trajectory for the attainment of genuine peace, stability, good governance in Muslim Mindanao. 
And so the Bangsamoro Organic Law was finally enacted. And four years since its passage, what's happening in BARM? Well, right now, they're in a transition period. The Bangsamoro Transition Authority, or the BTA, governs the BARM. It's made up of presidential appointees. That's 41 nominees from the MILF and 39 nominees from the government. At the helm is the chief minister. And we heard him earlier in this episode, MILF chairman Al-Hajj Murad Ibrahim. And in 2025, the people of BARM will finally be able to elect their own regional officials. They have a parliamentary form of government. And parliamentary sessions are held in Cotabato City. It works basically the same as the Senate and House of Representatives, with one major difference. Members of parliament can also be part of the executive. Yeah, so may mga kasama kami na ministers din sila ng mga ahensya. For example, when we talk about uh, issues on, on health or kunwari, social services, because the head is also an MP, pwede siyang tanungin directly. Pwede siyang uh, ma-recognize directly and clarify immediately without the necessity of the way yung ginagawa natin sa Senate at sa House of Reps na ipatawag in a meeting, in a committee hearing, um, secretaries, that doesn't need to happen in the Bangsamoro, in the Bangsamoro Parliament kasi uh, most of our colleagues are there. That's Member of Parliament Anna Basman. She's one of the youngest leaders in BARM. I asked her what the Bangsamoro Transition Authority's priorities are these days. The BTA is tasked to pass uh, legislation on certain matters. So, meron pang natitirang apat na codes na kailangang ipasa ng Bangsamoro Parliament. Yun yung Electoral Code, Local Governance Code, Indigenous Peoples' Rights Act, and many other laws na nakalista sa BOL na kailangang ipasa ng Parliament. And at the same time, we cannot forget that services should be felt down to the remotest localities in the region para mas madali pang, mas madami pang makaramdam na this is what the Bangsamoro government is about. This is what all of those years of negotiations with the national government on genuine autonomy is about. At kumusta naman ang pagtanggap ng mga residente sa BTA? How do they see the current regional government? Of course, in a democracy, diba, there's no monopoly of opinion and even um, sentiment towards especially a public institution such as the Bangsamoro government. So maraming supportive. Uh, nag-manifest yan nung nag-call for extension of the transitional uh, authority. That was a show of belief or confidence in the Bangsamoro government. But you would also hear people who would talk about failings, where it uh, it is falling short. What we are just happy with is generally in the region, there's a lot of expectation from the Bangsamoro government. People have seen what the BARM can do and are expecting more. Isa pang pinagkakaabalahan ng BARM ay yung tinatawag na normalization. Part of the peace agreement is the implementation of a normalization program which will transform the lives of MILF combatants and their communities no, into peaceful and productive citizens and peaceful and productive communities. That was Director Ishmael Bajin of the Office of the Presidential Advisor on the Peace Process, or OPAP. I talked to him back in December. Basically, they make sure that the promises in the peace agreement are actually being fulfilled on the ground. And, just like there are two panels during the actual negotiations, may katumbas ding MILF Peace Implementing Panel ang Government Peace Implementing Panel. 
itong normalization program has four components. The security component, the socioeconomic development component, confidence building measures, and transitional justice and reconciliation. The security component is concerned with the security issues in the region. You have to decommission the MILF combatants, but you have to make them feel secure because uh, hindi naman pwede that you will remove their firearms and then uh, other groups are still uh, armed. So there are other partner programs that are part of the security component such as the uh, disbandment of private armed groups. Uh, nandiyan din yung pagtatayo ng mga joint peace and security teams composed of uh, officers from the AFP, the PNP, and the MILF-PF. Kasama din dyan ang programs on the management of small arms and light weapons, yung mga loose firearms. And of course, yung mga resolution of RIDO. Uh, another component is the socioeconomic development component. These MILF combatants, for years, ang alam lang nila ay eh, gera, no? So sa socioeconomic development component, kasama dyan yung pagpo-provide ng mga transitional cash assistance, values transformation training, even infrastructure like providing uh, rural health units, irrigation systems in their communities, and eventually pati housing. Ang pangatlo naman yung confidence building measures. So you have six mutually identified MILF camps and you transform these camps into productive communities. Kasama din dyan yung program on amnesty. No? So you have to provide amnesty to MILF members who are imprisoned because uh, they committed crimes in pursuit of their political beliefs. And lastly, yung transitional justice and reconciliation component. You have to recognize the injustices uh, that were perpetuated against the Bangsamoro people. So all of these taken together, yan po yung normalization program natin sa GPH MILF peace process. From the signing of the CAB to the enactment of the BOL to the creation of the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region in Muslim Mindanao, we have come a long way in seeking to build a peaceful and prosperous community with and for our brothers and sisters in the South. The lives of tens of thousands of Filipinos are riding on the success of the BARM. Here's a reminder from MP Ana Basman. Actually, negotiations pa lang naramdaman na talaga natin. No? Yung malaking pagbaba ng instances of violence, yung spurts of violence nga. So ang laking difference nun. Imagine in those two years, consecutive two or three years, wala ni isang uh, school na kinailangang mag-stop. Walang ni isang pamilya na kinailangang mag-backwit. So, ganun yung difference kapag uh, I think the negotiating parties, the, the revolutionary group that we are talking to, and the people, the communities that support them, feel the sincerity of their negotiating partner, the Philippine government. Remember that the history of the Bangsamoro is a history of disenfranchisement, displacement, and violence. So kaya naman may mga nag-alsa, kaya naman may mga nag-decide na bumuo at maging miyembro ng mga revolutionary groups is because they themselves felt violence. So yung mga injustices na feel from state agents, yun yung naging mukha. So anytime na makakaramdam ulit ng threat of that breaking of confidence, nagkakaroon ng violence. Importante na nobody sits on their laurels. And that was this week's episode of Teka Teka Explains. Again, I'm Trisha Aquino, Puma Podcast. 
This episode was written by myself and edited by Carl Sayad. For a fuller picture of the peace process, stay tuned for a new podcast we are creating with Youth Leadership for Democracy, or YouthLED, a project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development. The podcast is called Balangkas ng Bukas. Find it on your favorite podcast app. Maraming salamat po. Magbabalik ang 5 minutes lang with season 2. Mas exciting, mas nakakakilig at mas inspiring. Hi everyone, this is Bianca Gonzalez. Hi everyone, I'm Joel. Hello, I'm Francisca Batuando. At marami pang iba. Let's talk about dating, growing your career, and everything in between. 5 minutes lang, where we learn how to navigate life from people who've cracked the code. Available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan ka man puma podcast.